Someone, to get into this building tonight, someone needed a key. And in fact, I saw a message with someone asking where the key was. To get into your own house, you need a key. You can get locked out of this place, you can get locked out of your own house. There's one place that you have access to that no one can lock you out of. And that's the throne of God. By Jesus' precious blood, you have access. His blood is the key. No one can deny you access because His blood speaks better things. His blood speaks louder than your past. His blood speaks louder than your present. His blood speaks louder. And before that throne, what's well, a throne of grace? And you're invited. You have access to receive grace and mercy in time of need. I love that the Bible says that our God is rich in mercy. What a beautiful thing to be rich in, rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy towards you. He's grace. You have access to that place of grace. And I love that the words that Christ spoke to Paul saying, my grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. Sufficient means enough. His grace is enough. So I don't know what is burdening you or what's weighing you down or what you've been seeking the Lord about. But there is one place God has an open door policy because of the powerful blood of Jesus. You are invited. You are welcome. He says, come boldly. Don't just come, but come boldly. Knowing that you're entitled to be there. Knowing that you have access. Not hesitant, not unsure, but knowing with full confidence the power of the blood of Jesus. So Jesus, we worship you. We thank you for your precious blood. We thank you for the access we have before our Father. We thank you for your all-sufficient grace. We thank you for the richness of your mercy. We can't thank you enough. We give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. Hallelujah. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We magnify your name. We lift your name higher and higher and higher. We're here to worship you. Speak to us tonight. Change us, transform us by your word and by your spirit. We thank you that each one of us would leave different tonight. Thank you for our pastors, Lord, pastors Tony and Rabs.
thank you. You've called them to Brazil this week to minister in the power of your spirit. See countless lives transformed. We thank you, Lord, whether they plant or water, you give the increase. That all grace abounds. That they are protected and covered as are their families. We thank you in advance for the countless testimonies, healings, miracles, signs and wonders that follow your word that we'll hear about coming back from Brazil. You get the glory. You get every ounce of glory. And we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus a hand. Hallelujah. Did it cut out? Yeah, it did. Awesome. <laughs> so good. Welcome. My name's Dorian. If I met you, uh, very, very warm welcome to you. Apparently, I have to be. Still doesn't work. Anyway, very warm welcome if you didn't hear me the first time. And um, it's great to have you with us. You're going to be he hearing from Pastor Tony in just a moment. But um, as I mentioned, um, Pastor Tony, Pastor Rabi and myself are off to Brazil uh, on Tuesday. So uh, there won't be any services between um, tonight and the next service will be the Wednesday service on the 19th of July. So just put that in your calendar. But um, don't come here. Otherwise, you will find what I was speaking about earlier. The doors will be locked. <laughs> and you'll be asking where the key is. But um, the good news is, and we will just follow us on, on Facebook and on Instagram. And we'll keep you updated. You'll find out what's happening in Brazil. And um, we haven't organised exactly what's happening yet, but... You know, there will be stuff being uploaded to social media and Pastor Tony and Pastor Ravi, you know, we haven't organised anything, but there may be a message or, or two during that period. So just um, stay tuned on Facebook and Instagram and um, if you haven't followed those pages, make sure you do just to keep in touch and see what God's doing over there. That's about it. Who's excited to hear from Pastor Tony? Awesome. Pastor Tony, you're up. The applause. Let's welcome Pastor Tony. Are we good? Technology, eh? Here we go. Welcome. Sorry for that scare. <laughs> if that was scary, wait for the trumpet. And the dead in Christ shall arise, amen? The ones that were asleep just woke up. <laughs> 
the guys who are watching the footy, that's just an alarm bell. If you're watching the footy on your phone, it's going to get um, corrupted now. He's doing good? Amen. Um, just to, to back on the back of what Dorian just said, um, guys, if you haven't subscribed to YouTube, <clears throat> there's a way that we can, um, for all, the, all that goes on here with He Sent His Word Ministries, you can sus- subscribe on YouTube, you can jump on here to this um, code and scan and follow everything that's going on. Um, the Soul of the Earth web- website in Brazil, um, they'll be obviously live streaming everything that's happening in the conference, so you could follow us there as well and follow other speakers there and that's so it's an exciting thing. Um, so we'll, we'll know a bit more when we get there and, uh, and obviously... We've been to Brazil before and service and internet access is not all that easy, but whether we'll send out a message that we're going to be going live on Facebook or going live on Zoom, maybe a Zoom meeting, try and keep you guys um, connected with us on Wednesday and Sunday. Um, you know, with the, when the cat is away, the mouse will play. So I hope you guys don't, I uh, hope you get into prayer and fasting. Pray for us, please. Pray for us because... Um, we're going to serve the body of Christ. Um, we're going to serve our, serve our Lord over there. It's an honour to be invited. It really is. And um, so it's a blessing that we can go there and minister uh, there um, what the Lord wants us to minister to and, and from us. And we'll get ministered to as well. And um, I'm excited to see some people there. Um, we'd been there, how long ago was it now? Six years? Five, four years ago? Four? And we, look, you know what, can I say, we're going, but you're coming with us. See, a lot of people sewed into our ministry last time. And when we went, and don't think that you're isolated, you're part of this. The, the rewards that God gets over there, you get them as well. See, some people are called to sow, some people are called to, 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 to water, but God brings the increase. You know, don't think you're not valuable, because tonight, tonight's message is about being valued. Our value in God. Now, not everyone's called to be a preacher. Not everyone's called to be an evangelist. Not everyone's called to, to be a teacher. You know, but your calling is no more or no less than anyone else in the body of Christ. A lot of the, if you look, talk to a lot of the old preachers back in the old days, these days you can preach on Zoom and preach on, on the internet and you can, you can connect. We're connected to the world. But in the old days, people that didn't give couldn't send that preacher out across the world. And I love I when so, someone asked this um, this uh, man, the name the Heavenly Man. Who's ever heard of him? The Heavenly Man in China. So he got saved and it was against the law to preach the gospel there. It was, it's against the law to do any religion there. And he, he spent a total of his life 12 years in jail at different times for preaching the gospel. And he had got married and his wife had fallen pregnant and then they locked him up and he never saw his son till four years later. And why I'm telling this story is that recently, well, let me go back a little bit. So he, he was supposed to get executed. So he had no idea that his wife was pregnant and had a, had a boy. So the guard came up to him and says, here's a pen, here's a paper, and write down something to your son because you're going to die and you're never going to see him. So what do you think he wrote? I mean, what would you write? What would you write? So we're, we're quick to say that, but we come with a little bit of persecution and we, and we complain. This guy's ready to get executed. 
finds out his wife's pregnant, he's never seen him, and he says, now you're, you're going to die, write down something. You know what he wrote? He wrote basically to his son, go and preach the gospel like I preached, and if you have to die, die. Well, guess what? He didn't die. And he's sharing this testimony on a stage probably a couple of years ago in America. He doesn't speak English. And guess who's his interpreter? His son. And he comes out and he says, uh, it was an honour to spend 12 years of my life in jail for the Lord. We would say, oh my God. Oh, they come after me. The devil trapped me. And he says, it's an honour to have spent 12 years in jail for the Lord. And I just think to myself, what value did that man have that God loved him so much? Or you could say it this way, what value in God did he have that he was willing to preach the gospel in fear of dying, in fear of persecution? He never gave up when he found out his wife was pregnant. If anything... They kicked him out of the jail the first time because he was going to convert the whole jail. So you better get out of here. And he ended up escaping into Germany and eventually, and you, can't, you can never go back there. And so the title of the message tonight is Valued by God. See, a lot of the times we say we want to we, we, we value God and we want to do things for God because you don't know what he's done for me and, 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 and my life is his because he set me free and I was going to hell but now I'm in heaven and... But do you understand how valuable you are to God? See, somewhat we don't see that. We don't see how valuable we are to Him. See, what is the value? How do you determine the value of something? What'd you say? So the, the rule of thumb is whatever someone's prepared to pay for something is the value. If you own a house, and you want to get it valued, you ring the real estate or you ring a valuer, he'll put a, a value on the property based on the current market value and what's been sold, what hasn't been sold. True? If you get an old car, you could, you could have an old Mustang which you bought for $2,000 in 1968, which is worth $100,000 now if it's restored. See, it's what someone's prepared to pay for it. See, in the world today, someone said to me the other day, we're talking about a few things, and he says, if there's a real God, and he loves people like you say, how come are people starving in the world? So that's a good point. If you understand the fact that, are you saying that if there was no God, there'd be no salvation? He goes, yeah. He goes, well, what if God, in his infinite wisdom, gave you all dominion? Are you prepared to go and feed that person? Because you know right now, in America, right now, you're talking about value. In America right now, those are in the wheat game and the corn game and the food industry. You know that they produce so much crop and in order to keep the value high on what they're selling, they destroy everything that's overflow. They destroy more grain, corn, wheat that, to feed the nations. But because it's in a, an economy that if I have too much of something, that's not as worth as much. Isn't that true? Who's tried to rent a house lately? Or buy a house lately. Oh, because there's not that many out there, the price goes up. So the value of something is determined based on what someone's prepared to pay or what the, 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 the supply and demand. True? If you have more of something, it's worth less because they're everywhere. 
When you have less of something, it's worth more. It's rare. You know what I mean? But that economy doesn't work with God because there's 20 billion people on this earth. 20 billion? Anyone know? Let's count them. <laughs> How much? 18? 8 billion? Where do I get 20 from then? You know, don't let the truth get away on a good story. So there's 28 billion people, all right? We just added that. Now, there's 8 billion people on this earth. There's a lot of people on this earth, contrary to Bill Gates, where he wants to wipe us all out. But anyway, but there's 8 million people, so there's so many people. And God values you, every one of them because they're the apple of his eye. They are created in his image and likeness. See, when we start devaluing something, then it becomes lack of value to someone. But who determines your value? If we, if we go based on the fact that what someone's prepared to pay for something for valuation, then Christ paid the ultimate price of his blood for you. That's enough to say that the blood of Jesus was worthy, ultimately, spotless Lamb of God gave his life for you and me. Then you're a value of him. You have so much value to him. The problem is a lot of the times that when we fall and sin and carry on, it's not so much that I'm dirty, rotten sinner, I'm a dirty, rotten person. You know what? Because you don't value yourself. Now, I'm not talking to walk around and put on Facebook, sorry, <laughs> and posting things. That's not value. That's, anyway, I'm talking about a true value on the inside of you. You see, your value determines your destiny. Pretty quiet here in this Maryland church. See, if I don't value something, I won't, there'll be no fruit from what I'm doing. So for example, marriage. Is that a very valuable concept? Yeah? Or is it just a throwaway concept? See, God gave Adam and Eve a mandate. Be fruitful and multiply. Now, I don't know if you've all studied biology, but the only way you can multiply is to get intimate. Not get jiggy with it, that's, that's the world. <laughs> to get intimate. So we have the pleasure of intimacy, a husband and a, and, and, and a bride, and, and the bridegroom and the, has an intimacy so that something can get birthed so God can produce life, amen? But see, Mary didn't have the pleasure of intimacy. She just had to carry the responsibility. See, God understood the value of you that he had to come down through a virgin and impregnate Mary because the seed of Jesus could not be corrupted. Are you with me? So Mary carried something bigger than herself. Mary carried, she had value. So you have value today. But if I come here today and say, you, you must value me because I'm the preacher. You must value me because I know the word. That's consumer valuation. Yeah, I know the word. I'll preach. I'll pray for you. I love you. But if you only come for that, then it's like a reciprocal, you know, you give me something, you come and I'll preach to you and you get saved and you get that. It's like the law. But if you don't understand you are valuable to God, see, when the 99 sheep and there was one missing, who knows the story of the lost sheep? And we understand that, that God would leave the 99 and go after the one because that one is so important and that's true. But what, in my mind, who's a business owner, how do I leave 99 to go get the one and I come back and the 99, where are they gone? There's a fear of, I'm going to leave the 99 
to get the one and then the wolves have got my 99. Or they've been scattered. That's how my, my mind works. But see, the value, it wasn't just that he wanted to get the 99. Uh, sorry, get the one. It wasn't that, you know, we love that story, God comes and gets the lost. He does. He does. But there's something amiss here. So there's 99, there's 100 sheep, one goes missing. See, in the Jewish mind, in the Jewish concept, 100 is completion. And one's missing. There's something missing. It's not complete. See, the value of the sheepfold is lacking because there's one is missing. Are you, are you with me now? For, 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 let, me, let me explain it to you. You are so valuable that if you're not in here, when I say here, I'm not saying in the body of Christ, and you're out there, God is look, longing because there's something missing. You are so valuable to him that he needs you to come in because we're missing out on something that you're not in with. So a family's not complete. You could have 10 kids and one goes running away. Goes, oh, listen, I've got nine, doesn't matter. No, no. <laughs> Would you think like that? I've got a couple more. I've got twins. One took off. That's all right. Lucky I've got twins. There's one left over. <laughs> you don't think like that. Because it's not about what you have and the amount. It's the value of that person. And the value of that person is come collectively. See, when we don't fulfill our destiny, the world suffers. Do you know that? If a father doesn't fill out his destiny, the wife and the kids suffer. If the wife doesn't do her duty, the husband and the kids suffer. Ultimately, if the parents don't do their duty, the kids suffer. And then they grow up and they do the same thing and we start a generation of suffering with no value. But God says you are valuable. But we have to understand the difference between value and you need me. Because God doesn't need us. Newsflash, God doesn't need you. God doesn't need me to go to Brazil. Doesn't need rabbits to go to Brazil. Doesn't need nothing. He wants us. He wants us. But see, the world travails and groans are waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. And I'm going to touch on that now. Amen? Today, I want you to leave He valued. Not about what you can do for God. Not about what you should be doing for God. Not even about what He's done for you. Because that's very important. It's that He values you beyond Himself. See, you don't give something up of value for someone that's not important. Would you? See, Christ went to the cross. You know, just recently I was listening to a rabbi speaking. And I've always had this interpretation of Abraham sacrificing, about to sacrifice Isaac, because God said to him, give me your son. Your one and only son. And in my early days as a young believer, I thought, wow, sacrifice. When you picture of a sacrifice, you think of a little baby, because that's how we think. But then later on, I think, when I read the scripture, I says, but Isaac's carrying wood, so he's walking, so he couldn't be a baby. And he asks his dad, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, God will provide. So then I found out that he was 15, 16. But isn't it interesting that we get taught things because people don't know and we just accept it. But then when speaking to this, hearing this rabbi preaching about the, the customs of the rabbinical and Jewish background, because they know that book better than us, says that Isaac was around between 30 to 33, some say 36 years old. Imagine walking up as a 36, 33, 30-year-old 30 man with your dad, and they go, I've got to sacrifice. Yeah. How come those two stayed there? I will be back. All right. But what am I carrying the wood for? Where's the sacrifice, Dad? Because God will provide the sacrifice. Okay. He's carrying wood up a hill. And all of a sudden he gets there, he goes, where's the altar? He goes, there. So where's the sacrifice? He says, get down. Me? God asked for you. And the Bible, 
36. Let's say he wasn't 36. Let's say he was 30. Let's say he was 20. Abraham was an old man. I would have flogged him, knocked him out, and tied him up. You're not going to kill me, you crazy nutcase. Yeah, I think you've lost the plot, Dad. You know, the son's got to you, Abraham. No, he would have told him. He would have explained to him. Next thing you know, Isaac's laying on an altar, willingly. See, it's one thing to say that Abraham was, was, was going to offer up his son, just like God offered up Jesus. But the difference is that Jesus was willing to go. And so was Isaac. That's why he was called the Beloved. He was the promise. He had another son named Ishmael, who I'll bless Ishmael because he's from your loins, he's from your bloodline, he's, but he's not the promise. So you went and decided to make Ishmael because you thought you were trying to help me, but that's out of your flesh. I'll bless him. He is, but that's not the promise. Isaac's your promise because I value what I'm about to do. So that's called the law of first mention. If you ever hear that law of first mention, see, it wasn't a new concept when Jesus came and was going to die on the cross. It's been mentioned before throughout Scripture. And God's got a shadow and a type throughout the whole Scripture. So when I understood that from that rabbi, when this is blowing my mind. See, in other words, Isaac was old enough to understand, strong enough to run away. Uh, and, but no, he said, okay, if that's what God wants, I'm laying down my life. Wow. No one takes it. I lay it down freely. That's what Jesus did. So no one takes my life. I lay it down freely. And I'll take it up again. Wow. See, something of value. See, you're so precious to Jesus that he gave his life. See, God didn't send a lamb like the Old Testament. He just didn't send a high-ranking angel. He didn't send Moses. He didn't send Elijah. He didn't send Abraham. You know what he sent? He sent his only begotten son. Now, there's twofold here. I've got to send you, and you've got to be prepared to go. So we're going to Brazil now. The Lord wants us to go. He's sending us. But I've got, to, I've got to say, yes, and I'm going. But Lord, you've got to come with me. See, if it's him, he'll be with you. See, if the Holy Spirit doesn't show up tonight and doesn't teach you, all you're hearing is me talk. You're so valuable to him. You see, that if you don't understand your value, you won't understand your destiny. Who wants to know their destiny here? Who wants to fulfill the call of God on their life? Who just wants to get through to please God because he loves you? This is what we need to know. The value. Can we go to Judges chapter 6, verse 12? There's a story, I'm not going to read the whole lot, but there's a story about Gideon. Anyone heard about Gideon? If you go to, in the old days, you used to go to a hotel room, and guess what? There was a Gideon Bible in the drawer. Who remembers that? Now it's offensive. There was a Gideon Bible. Gideon was a man that lived in the 12th century. It was about... Uh, before you know, twelve I think it was twelve the twelve hundred years before Christ, and he lived in the in the region of Manash, uh, Manasseh. And Gideon now is in the tribe, living his life. And the problem was now that the Israelites were under occupation by the the, the Midianites, and these guys were raiding raiding the village, taking their flour, taking their wheat, and they were under occupation basically. And here you see this. All of a sudden, he's Morning is our business, Gideon. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, Lord, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Stop there. So now the angel comes and declares something over Gideon. You mighty man of valor. The word, the meaning valor, meaning strength and courageous. And, and um, there's something about you, Gideon. And that was God valued Gideon. And God, and, and God was about 
to do something with Gideon. God wanted to save Israel and, and, and at that time. So he calls on Gideon. The first thing the angel of the Lord says to him is, you're a mighty man of value. He declares his value to God and declares it to him directly. Are you with me? Let's see what he responds. Can we go to the next verse? Gideon said to him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our forefathers told us about, saying, Did, you not, did, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And then the Lord turned to him and said, Go, into the, go in this might of yours. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? And listen to this. This is what he thought of himself. He said, Oh Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan, you could say it this way, I'm from a village or I'm from a family. Okay, I'm from a clan that is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my father's house. In other words, guys, I come from a village, from a village of the lowest of the low, and I'm the lowest of the low in my father's house. In other words, I've got nothing for you to do this. How can then I save Israel? Are you with me? See, God has never called anyone in this earth that could do it on their own. God has not called you and called you, and called you to do anything on this earth because you can. He calls you because he's going to strengthen you. But he tells you who you are so you can start believing who you are. See, he doesn't believe who he is. He doesn't believe he's a mighty man of valor. He doesn't believe that he's, he's from the weakest village, from the weakest towns, from the weakest, and I'm the weakest in my family. But the Bible says, he who is weak, let him say he's, because it's his strength that's going to save you. That sustain you. Amen? If you said to me 20 years ago that I'll be doing this, that would have laughed you out. I would have, laughed, I would have bashed you. <laughs> Sorry. The same person I am today is the same person I used to chase down the street. Come here, I'm going to flog you. I used to make fun of people in the street when they're singing with these idiots. Now I'm doing this. And, uh... <laughs> See, I mock the very thing that God says, but that's who you are. See, I mock the very God that was going to save my soul. See, God saw value in me and he sees value in you. See, I don't know what your destiny is going to be. I don't know what you're going to do in life. But I do know that if you don't start valuing yourself, you'll never become what God wants you to become. Amen. Amen. Now, not all of us get an angel appeared in our bedrooms to tell us what to do, all right? But here he gets an angel of the Lord. He says, go and do this. Isn't that interesting? How he saw himself is not the way God saw him. Now, in the natural, you judge by natural means. I judge by natural means. He's a good speaker. He's a fast speaker. He says he gets too deep. He's not deep enough. He's, he's talented. He's not talented. This guy's good. This guy. He goes too long. He goes too short. He comes in early and we come here late. Well, what's the big deal? We judge by natural means. So we judge the value of something depending on your schedule. We've, we've, we, we have put a value. See, we're still in the consumer relationship. I'll do this. You, I'll get that. If I do that, you get this. And God's looking for a people to just understand how much. Because see, God's relying on us. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. And he's relying on us to do and fulfill the mandate that Jesus left for us. No one believes me, eh? Why did Jesus say to the 12, 
he picked a bunch of 12 raggedy bunch. 12 people that probably most leaders wouldn't pick. And gave them a mandate. 12 people, uneducated, fishermen, tax collectors, uh, in a village, in the Middle East, and empowered them. And he rebuked them. And he told them, you got no faith. And how long must I be with you? I can just picture Jesus saying to him, Lord, how come we couldn't cast that demon out here? And he goes, how long must I be? You know, I could just see that. If it was Lebanese, he would have pulled his belt out, you know. Because he rebukes them publicly. Don't rebuke anyone publicly because you might hurt their little spirit and they might get offended and never come back. Jesus rebukes his disciples in public. Then he just walks off. And do they get offended? No, they come. Lord, why couldn't we cast that one out? Because we've done it before. Why do you pick these 12 who changed the world? 12 guys from a little village in, the, in Galilee, throughout the region of Israel, changed the world. Here, this guy here, not that guy there, I don't know who that guy is, but the other guy, Gideon, was only surviving. He was crushing the wheat in the wine press to hide it from the, his enemies. He was just treading water. He was just getting by. He didn't want to upset the apple. He was just hiding. You know, well, let's just get by. Hopefully we get by. Because the first thing he accused God is, where are the miracles we heard about? Our forefathers told us about the miracles. Why have you handed us over? Why have you handed us over to our enemy? If you read a bit further, which is not for the sake of time, the first thing he says, go prepare yourself. See, God asks you now, that he, you are fearfully and you're wonderfully made. You're made in his image and then when you got born again, you're in his likeness now because we lost the likeness in the garden. People say, oh, yeah, I'm from God. No, 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 you, you're in his image. Be nothing like him. And when Christ went to the cross and, and rose from the dead and gave you his spirit, now you're like him. You've been born from above now. You can play all the games you want. You can quote all the scriptures you want. But if that nature on the inside doesn't change, you're just a pretender. But his value in you is so great that he, not only does he die for you, not only does he rise from the dead and give you his name, he puts the Holy Spirit in you. He gives you the word. He gives angels around you to fulfill, fulfill your calling. But you don't value it because, you know, oh, woe me. Maybe I'm not good enough. You don't know what's happened to me. See, we've got layers on. Layers. We've been told what we're supposed to be from the minute we're born. You're born and your parents give you, put a layer on you. And then you go to school and they put another layer on you. And then the world puts another layer on you. And then you start to get a job and they put a layer on you. And then, and then um, in your education puts another layer on you. And then, uh, you know, um, Oprah puts a layer on you. And, uh, and these morons over there put another layer on you. And so we've got all these layers on. Then the life hits us and broken relationships. And, and we get addicted to this and we get addicted to that. And another layer and another layer and another layer. And finally we're like Lazarus in the tomb Wrapped up and dead. We're living life, but we're wrapped up in grave clothes. And God wants to strip the grave clothes off you. Because he wants to put life in you. Because you're so valuable to him. You see, I'm going to read a scripture here that bugged me for years. So I'm going to try and explain it. And if I don't get it right, it doesn't matter. You don't know any better anyway. I'm joking. You do know. I'm joking. Romans 8.14, and we'll read through. And I'll share a testimony that I heard years ago that the Lord brought to my spirit today walking through Westfields. Just had to throw that in, I was in Westfields. So. Westfields is anointed. 
Have you seen the... I think that's got to be the devil's playground. Bunnings are toys are us till adults. I'll go to the bunnings, I go to buy something, you know. Anyway. For as many are <laughs> I was just thinking of something else then, but anyway. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out. Abba Father, it speaks of intimacy with God. Now we're doing something. We're getting closer. He's not just God over there and I'm a dirty rotten sinner over here and he's going to pay a price for me so I can not go to hell. Now I'm coming into his throne as a son, as a daughter. I call him Abba. Abba means daddy. Do you know God is daddy yet? He's still scared of him. I used to be scared of him. I did a lot of things for him until I sat at his feet and he broke my heart. I cried for three months. I thought I was this big tough guy. You know what I was? I was a scared little boy. But when you understand how much he loves you, the value of you just goes up. You will achieve what you want to achieve. Here he says, Abba, Father. We cry out, Abba. We don't say, God's, God's my dad. No, I stand up. God, God's my father. You can't take that off me. You can't take my sonship off me. You can take my platform off me. You can take the word out of me, but you can't take my sonship out of me. Why? Because he's my father. He loves me. All right, clean the table to share somebody. Hope no one's recording that Dean will kill us. All right. Next verse. The spirit of himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So he's not talking about being holy. He's talking about children. He's talking about family. He's talking about sonship. Okay, next verse. And if, if, and if children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with? So now God, Christ himself, who rose from the dead under the Jewish culture, the oldest son gets the inheritance of the father. Jesus being the older brother, died and rose again. He's got an inheritance of salvation, healing, deliverance, freedom. And guess what he did? He shared it with us. So now we are co-heirs with him. Amen? Amen. Amen. If indeed we suffer with him, go back. If we indeed suffer with him, then we may also be glorified together. Next verse. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Hang on. Not in heaven. The glory is going to reveal in us. What's he saying here? He's saying that you have so much value that the world's waiting for you to break out and be the person you're meant to be in Jesus Christ. Amen. This is not just a heaven thing. This is a now thing. See, if we understand it's the now, God's not worried about eternity. He's got that sorted. He's worried about now. That's what he says. Don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about today. Amen? Next verse. For the earnest expectation, and this is where it gets funny. This is where I didn't understand for many years, but I want to show you something. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. When it says sons of God, it's not talking about male. It's talking about position. All right. When you hear man, it's not talking about male. It's not talking about men here. It's talking about sons and daughters. All right. In the context. The earth or creation is eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to fertility. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Stop. Who cursed the ground in Genesis? 
Who cursed the ground in Genesis? Who cursed the ground in Genesis? Who cursed the ground in Genesis? Over here. I'm going to pick someone. Lord, tell me who knows the answer. Joking. <laughs> did Adam sin? Did God, did God give dominion to who? Said dominion over what? The air, the birds of the air, the animals on the fields, underneath the, the earth. God gave dominion to Adam to the earth and everything and subdue it. In other words, who was in charge of the earth? Adam sinned. And what happened? He says, because of you, Adam, because of your sin, Adam, the earth is cursed with thorns and thistles. We think God just curses you like that. No, no, no. There's sowing and there's reaping. There's consequences for our actions. And the minute he did betrayed and he committed treason, he was in charge of all things. All dominion has unto him. How else did the devil get dominion? He didn't get it off God. If, if Adam had the keys of, of the earth and he had dominion on the earth and he says, subdue it, I've given you everything for your pleasure and then the devil tricks him and they commit treason, he took the keys of Adam. He lost dominion. And guess what? Adam, because of what you did, the ground is cursed now with thorns and thistles. Now here it says, creation was subject to fertility. That means nothing comes from it now. Now we know we can grow things today, but the, the truth of God's earth, the world, creation, has been broken under the curse. Now look what happens here. It wasn't willing, but because of who, who subjected it to hope. Now something was happening here. Jesus was coming. Now, who, man was made from what? The dust of the earth. Earth, creation, yeah? Jesus came as a man. Fully man? Fully God. Amen? Watch this. Go, watch this. Because creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Okay, keep going. For we know that the whole creation groans and labours with birth pangs together until now. This is Paul preaching now to the Roman church, Christians. Yeah? Next verse. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit, even ourselves grown within us, ourselves eagerly awaiting for the adoption of the redemption of our bodies. What is it all saying? It's saying, listen to me, it's saying that Christ came and broke the curse of the law. The ground was cursed with what? Thorns and thistles. What did Jesus put on his head? What did they put on his head before the crucifixion? Thorns. He took the curse from the ground, the mind of Adam, that it was subjected to the ground, to the curse realm of this earth. And Jesus took the thorns and put it on his head. He who became a curse so you can become blessed. Can you see the picture now? In other words, whatever was cursed, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Amen. But the earth is still travailing and waiting for us to grow up and say, come on, let me, let me explain it this way. There's a, tri there's a village in Mexico. And in Mexico, they're predominantly Catholic, but they mix Catholicism with voodoo and witchcraft. And they, they worship, they have a festival every year of the dead. And it's not about the dead people, it's about the, they've got a patron saint of the dead. They walk around with skeletons there. And every village in that region does it. So they've come under a curse because the Bible says there's only two ways to curse land. Innocent blood and changing the laws of God. They just change the laws of God for a lie and the earth is cursed.
What's happening in that village in that Mexico? They're farmers. And all the villages up, so if you go up the mountains, everyone been to Mexico? You been to Mexico? What'd you do up there? I'm joking. <laughs> but they've got farms. This particular village, for a small, it was, it was a decent sized village, but it wasn't not a city. They were all farmers. And nearly every bloke in that village was an alcoholic. But they were functioning alcoholics. In other words, they would get blind drunk every night, go home, get arrested, bash their wives or whatever they did. True story. And then they would let them out because they needed farmers and they go back and they work all day in the fields and that night they come back and get drunk and this is the cycle of life in this village. It wasn't just that village, it was all the villages. All of a sudden the gospel comes. And they start preaching the gospel in this one village. Someone caught a flame, another flame, another flame. And some people started getting saved. Some people started getting delivered. And the Holy Spirit moved. And nearly every bloke in that village got born again. They had 10, 10 policemen. Sorry, they had 10 jails in one little village. That's how bad they were. Now when the gospel of the light of the gospel came, guess what happened? They gave away their drink. They stopped drinking and things started to change. And the men publicly repented to their women and to God for their actions. They threw away their idols. They got rid of the death, the worship of the dead. And God blessed that village. They shut down every jail. There was only one policeman left in the whole thing. The, the bars became churches. It was an amazing testimony. Amen. But look, but that's, not the, that's not the best part. What freaked me out was, what freaked out the whole community in, those, in that region is was that they were harvesting, I think that village was watermelons and, and, and corn and that. When everybody had their harvest, they were professional farmers. When they got the harvest of, the, of their watermelons and that, trucks would come and pick them up and take them into the city. That's how they made their money. That was the source of income. You know that village, out of all the villages, had a triple harvest every time. In other words, they doubled and tripled their harvest every time. Trucks will keep coming up and back and everyone's going, what's going on? Trucks only come here once every while whenever there's a harvest. He says, well, you're getting triple the harvest. How? He says, because God blessed the land because they repented and the sons of God got revealed and the fertility of the creation, the curse was broken and God could bless them multiple times on the earth. Does that make sense to anyone? Let's go back. None of us are farmers, all right? But God can bless your boss for the sake of you. God's waiting for the children to rise up. If you think the world's bad and there's drugs on the street, and that if the children of God rise up, the curse can be broken and God can redeem this land. Because it's waiting for the sons of... What's it say? It's groaning, travailing, like a woman giving birth. Awaiting what? Jesus to come back? Waiting for the sons of God, which is mean you, me, Christians, rise up. Share the light of the gospel and let the earth be, be redeemed. Let your household be redeemed. You know what? That's how valuable you are to God. He's waiting for you to do it so he can get the benefit. Woo! I was going to do Michael Jackson. Is anyone getting this or am I just insulting myself? See, you're so valuable to God. I had someone say to me once, oh, look, I speak to angels. I said, Wow. The hell's angels, like the bikies? <laughs> I said, you've got a voice of an angel. She goes, really? Yeah, the fallen angel. <laughs> no, I didn't say that, I'm joking. Now, I read cards and I speak to angels. And, because angels give us things and, and, and you know, they... they uh, I went, yeah, I wasn't trying to be nice. I wasn't trying to be rude. 
I said to her, do you know how much more valuable you are to God than an angel? You don't understand their spirits and, and they work for God and no matter what God and all this. And I said, mm-hmm. Hebrews 1.5. So they're talking to angels. What did I say a couple weeks ago that angels are like ministering spirits with us? They are ministers of salvation. Remember the Apostle John was in Revelations at the end, if you read it, he bows down to the angel and the angel grabs him and says, you don't bow to me, you bow to no one but God. That would knock down half the denominations that we believe in now. If, if, if John, the revelator, the disciple, the one that Jesus loved, was going to bow down to an angel that took him and showed him revelations and he says, don't bow to me, I'm a ministering spirit just like you, I'm a servant just like you, you only bow to God. Please misunderstand that. Because you can't. And here in Hebrews 1.5, look what it says. For to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son? And today I've begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. He's never called an angel. One angel in heaven can destroy 30,000 people today. But they're not created in his image and likeness. You and I are. See, Jesus didn't die to redeem an angel. He didn't come to redeem Lucifer. Or the demons that fell with him. Or the angels that fell. He came to redeem you and me because you are so much value to him. He never once called an angel a son. And never once promised an angel a father that he'll be a father, he'll be a son. He promised that to you and me. That's how valuable you are to him. Stop devaluing yourself. Stop living a life of devalue because you're offended or because someone did this to you or you're, the devil's lying to you. Start coming into the place and see God through his eyes because when you do that, you start to see the love of the Father in you because of the precious blood of Jesus. Amen? Never called an angel. See, I wrote down here, the devil is so upset of you and me. The devil is so upset Because the position that we took, he wanted. He wanted to be exalted on high. Who is man that you are mindful of him? Who was complaining to God about man? Who is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the angels. Look at this. What he wanted... The very thing he wanted was to be worshipped and to become a son and to be exalted. Like, but guess what? That wasn't his role. That was Jesus. And that's you and me. That's why he hates your guts. And that's why he tries to defile you with broken relationships and addiction and, and, and misconceptions and false doctrines and doctrines of demons. And, 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 and why? Because he's, he, he cannot obtain what we have. He can't. That's what he wanted. So the Bible says, that, what's the Bible say? That we are seated in. That's what he wants. See, I often said, Lord, why don't you destroy Lucifer once and for all and be done with it? I know he got kicked out of heaven. That's one judgment. Then he, he, he deceived Adam and Eve and he cursed him to the, to the ground, to the belly on, your, on, on the belly of the earth you should go and from the dust of the earth you shall eat. I'm not talking about a snake that had legs and lost its legs. It's talking about, it's a, it's, a, it's a picture. The devil, I'm going to reduce you to the earth realm now. You've lost all your power. You know what I heard today? It was awesome. 
Not only his punishment is that he stripped him of his power, but kept him alive to see what was going on. He hates the fact that we're preaching the gospel here. He hates the fact when someone gets delivered from, from addictions and comes into the place of wholeness. He hates the fact that one bloke was in jail all his life. He comes and gets saved now. He's living for Christ, leading people to the Lord. He hates the fact that people are dying of sickness and that's the way it's going to be and God heals them through you. He hates the fact. Why? Because everything he wanted, we have today. So the place where he wanted, he cannot obtain anymore. That's why he hates you. But he was a snake. The Bible says he will, from the belly on, his, on, on, on the belly he should go, and from the dust of the earth you shall eat. So he's eating off our flesh. What does the Bible say? Crucify your flesh daily. So he doesn't eat off your flesh. Because see, in Genesis, he's a snake. In Revelations, he's a dragon. He's been feeding on some stuff. <laughs> he's, a, he's a snake, now he's a dragon. Think about that. If you're writing notes... Not this serious. <laughs> now, if there's anything you're going to write, write this. I've said this before. Your value, point number one, and I'm going to close soon. Your value is not based on what you can do for God. It's based on what Christ paid for you. That's why I can stand here. Not because I know it all. Not because I'm perfect. Not because I get it all right. <laughs> I don't get a lot of things right. But I can stand here before you and know that a price was paid for me that no one would pay. Even if my mum died for me or my dad died for me, it wouldn't have saved my soul. How much does a mother and a father love their child? But it won't save your soul. But Christ laid down his life for me. That's how valuable I am. That's how valuable you are. Don't devalue yourself. Amen? Point number two. Your value is connected to your destiny. Once you start to understand your value then your destiny will come to fruition because you start to walk in the value that God's given you. See, I, I, I looked at the speakers in Brazil right now. I'm just going to use Brazil for an example. Brazil is not the be all and end all, but I want to share something with you. I'm going to minister. Rabs and I, this is just a joke, so don't take it the wrong way. Um, okay. Hey? Good. I kept moving out of the camera, that's why. Just like... <laughs> I think, I've, I think I've, today I've done like a bit of a workout, you know. <laughs> F45, you know. <laughs> I looked at the speakers in Brazil. A man, Dr. So-and-so, Dr. Anthony Boner, 30 years in ministry, healing ministry, deliverance, a whole lot. The other person speaks five languages, been on TV, and they've got a, you've got a painter and a plumber from Maryland <laughs> going to Brazil. See, I can go there intimidated and say, well, I don't know how much he knows. And what if, but see, I'm not going there based on my credentials. Eyes on me, everyone. I'm not going there based on my credentials. I'm not going there based on, on the size of my church. I'm not going there on how many PhDs or doctorates. I've got. I'm going there in the love and the power of the Holy Spirit. So if God wants to use me, let, me, let my weakness glorify him. And, and I'm not walking out poor me. No, no, I'm going there to set the place on fire. I don't care who's there. But I've got value, not because I'm trying to measure up with anyone else. Don't measure up. Don't look at your value based on someone else. Because if you do that, then when that changes, your value changes. If you get love from the world, the world can drop you. If you get peace from the world, the world will take it off you. But if you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, when you stand as a son and as a daughter, everywhere, son and a daughter, 
Listen to me. I'm going there as a son. And all I'm doing is going to brag about my older brother, Jesus, and tell him how good my father in heaven is. And I'm going to speak to my brothers in Brazil, people that I don't even know about, that are going to come. And I'm going to stand there as a testimony to him. Why? Because he loves me, and I'm going to tell the whole world about it. And we're going to start rising up like that. Look at this. This is the most important thing I'm going to say tonight. You know the size of a man or a woman by the size of the problem that takes them out in discouragement. Show me how mature you are when the first bit of problem comes your way and see how quick you get taken out. I've heard it all my life and I'm not denying it. I'm not putting you down. I've heard it all my life. The devil's attacking me. And I'm thinking, you? You don't pray. You don't give. You don't fast. You don't preach. And the devil's attacking you. Why? If I was the devil, I'd leave you alone. You're doing nothing. Why would I rattle your cage? Oh, the devil's attacked me last night. Why? We had Bible studies. Wow, did anyone get saved? No. Anyone get delivered? No. Anyone you come? No. I don't think the devil attacked you. <laughs> I'm not putting that down. The devil's a liar and he comes after you. I get it. But we get so much emphasis on the devil attacking us when you realize it's your own little miserable flesh. If you look at yourself in the mirror long enough, you start hating yourself, trust me. <laughs> well, some people do. Some people love the mirror. <laughs> I heard this statement once. It goes, the mirror is not a true reflection. You've never seen yourself. You've seen a reflection of yourself. You've never seen yourself. So I tried that one day. I was trying to look at myself. To... You know how a dog chases its tail? When you look at a mirror, you see a reflection of yourself. Isn't that true? True. Remember those distorted mirrors? You look fat, you look skinny, you look tall, you look disjointed. It's only a reflection. But see, the reflection you see is depending on your heart issue towards God. What do you see when you look in the mirror? I don't see perfection. I don't see... Whole, you know what I see? I see a child of God. I see that he loved me so much that he would take me out of the pit of hell and clean me up and pour out the whole kingdom in me. And the more, you know, the, the greatest way to your destiny is to start believing who you are in him and understand your value in him. And don't let any obstacle take you off course because the size of your problem will determine the maturity of your heart. And some people get taken out real quick. And I think to myself, why? Because you're not dead to the flesh yet. He's feeding on your flesh. Think of this. Every time the enemy comes knocking on your door, he wants to eat. Why? Put out salad. <laughs> Take away your flesh. Stop cooking a laham mystery in that. It's like these guys says, the devil comes to my house every night. Really? Yeah. It's like an alley cat. You know those cats and, and pigeons that you feed? You feed them. I go, I don't know why these things won't go away. And she's feeding them. <laughs> and they bring more mates. Oh, they'll get rid of them. They go, and then they throw them the more you leave out food, the more the strays will come in. Kill your flesh. Stop looking at things from an external point of view. Start looking within you because the Holy Spirit is within you, not out there. Don't judge yourself by other means. Even Christians, don't look, don't look from a place of, look what that, no, 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 it's the biggest mistake you'd ever do. We think success is, oh, look at that, they've got a big church, or they've got a good ministry, they're doing this, and, that. and we think that's success. No, that's not, that's not success. What do you do when you're alone? That's success. Where does your heart go when an obstacle does come? 
That's success. See, if we don't do what we're meant to do, see, this is how valuable we are to God. If, I, if, if we don't do what we're meant to do, we won't raise godly children. God desires godly offspring. Godly relationships. And who gets hurt? We get hurt. The people around us get hurt. And guess what? God doesn't get the glory. But when we can do what we're meant to do, if we can value ourselves enough to pay a price, you know, sometimes we have to pay a price for, for God's value to come and grow out of us. Because it's not just, you know, it's not the next click. See, we are the most clickbait people in the world. And we're not willing to sustain our walk. The Bible says, who endures to the end shall be saved. Not who started, but those who endure. You can start well and finish bad. Don't let the devil rob you. You are valuable to God. Stop listening to the lie of the enemy. See, any thought that's contrary to the word of God, you've got to take it captive. How do you take that captive? I disagree with that thought, devil. Talk to yourself. David encouraged himself in the Lord. David came to his village and they had just destroyed his village and they had taken all his wives and his kids and everyone out of the village and, they, and his men, 600 men that were serving him wanted to kill him because they took their family as well. What does the Bible say? David encouraged himself in the Lord. You only encourage yourself in the Lord when you know you're of value and you're fearfully and you're wonderfully made and God loves you so much. You are valued to God. Not, not just the value for God, you are valued to God. He loves you. When you spend that one-on-one -on -one with him, guess what? He loves it. He waits for it. Don't devalue yourself any longer. Your value is not based on the commodity or how many of us there is. It's based on the love of Jesus that the precious blood of Jesus paid the ultimate price. Amen? Can we stand? <laughs> Hallelujah. Last scripture while you're standing. John 1, 12. Tonight, I want to share something. I, wanna, I don't know everyone here. But there's no point having something valuable on a shelf or hidden in a cupboard. What's the point of that? The Bible says here in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, But as many as received him... To them he gave the right to become children of God to those who will believe in his name, who were born not from the bloodline, not by the will of the flesh, nor by the will of man, but by God. That's just saying one thing there. If you call upon his name, if you would repent of your sin, it would you stop devaluing yourself by living a life of sin and repent of your sin, and give your life to Christ and you'll be born not by blood and not by the will of man or not by uh, generational inheritance but you'll be born of God see if you're not born of God the value is sitting on the shelf but when you're born of God the value gets released then you have the right to be called children of God so if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, I heard this bloke say this once, why don't you just try him? And honestly, I thought that's a good idea, but now I think, no, 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 you don't try Jesus. You surrender to Jesus. You don't try Jesus. He loves you. You don't, you hang, hang on a tree. Cursed is the one who hangs on a tree. 
He who became a curse so you and I could become blessed. You're so valuable to him. Are you like Gideon? I'm the least from the least of the village, from a tribe of the least village, from the least family, and I'm in that family, the lowest of the low. And God says, yeah, I want you. Have you got sons, Jesse? Yeah, here they are. Samuel went to anoint the kings. Are you a king? No, no, no. Everyone built six foot muscles. He says, you sure these are all your sons? Oh, no, we've got one who just looks after sheep in the field. <laughs> His father didn't give him any value. Don't bother calling him. He's not going to be a king. He's not going to get anointed. I've got other sons that are ready, ready to go. And you know what happened? He says, oh, we'll go get him because that's the one God wants. So you might be down and out. You might have come from nowhere. You might have done things that you're not proud of, but God wants you. Because the 99 will never be complete until you come home. You see, this house is not ready. This house, I'm talking about the church. There's brothers and sisters that we haven't even met yet. They're the ones that God's ready to bring home so we can be complete. See, God sends people from all around the world to get the one to bring them into the sheepfold. Why? Because God sends people because He wants the completeness. He, the family, what's the point of having a family if half of them are missing? And God wants you to come home because you are of value to Him. He wants you to surrender to Him. And let me tell you, let me tell you something. It's the greatest thing you'll ever do. He'll heal your heart fill you with his spirit and he will set you free amen your value is worthy and that's why we sing to him so we're going to sing this song and if you want prayer or if you want to give your life to Jesus I, I, I really recommend you run up the front don't dawdle surrender your life to the king of kings as we sing in this song if you're worthy and you feel like you got value I want you to sing this to the, the best of your ability let the world know that He's your Father, that you're a daughter, you're a son of the King. Amen? Amen? Don't let your past hold you back. Don't let the mistakes hold you back. Break out in praise and, and sing to Him. He lover. He's a lover of your soul. Amen.